ever since I started, when I came from Cardiff to London, uh, I was told that my hair was too curly. You know, the curly hair doesn't work anymore. And I was too macho. Welcome to Talk The Line, I'm Jen Long. This season, we're talking to artists about their passions during lockdown. And on this episode, I'm joined by an incredible singer, performer, and Cuban cigar smoker, the legendary Sir Tom Jones. Welcome to Talk The Line, Sir Tom. Thank you. How are you today? Great. I'm having my Cuban cigar. (laughs) Drinking a cup of coffee. (laughs) Perfect. Um, So here on Talk The Line, we talk to artists about passions that they've discovered or that they've lent into during lockdown. Yes. And, yeah. And um, with your new record, Surrounded by Time, coming out on the 23rd of April, you've been reimagining tracks that you have an emotional connection to or a past with. And I think that's yeah. a nice topic to explore in our conversation. Yeah. Well, with me, you know, I've, I've been listening since lockdown, I've been listening a lot to songs that I've, a lot of them I've accumulated over the years and I've wanted to record, but haven't had a chance to until now. You know, so Ethan Johns, who is my producer, record producer that I've worked with three previous uh, albums that I've done, he's produced. So I like him and I like working with him. So I I was talking to him about songs that I'd accumulated. And uh, he said, well, you know, once, find the ones you want to do that you haven't done yet and uh, and we'll have a look at them so that's that's what i did so i um no hole in my head i've always liked that song because uh, the lady that wrote it uh, malvina reynolds she had a hit with a song called little boxes little boxes on the hillside little... oh, and i always liked it tiki tacky yeah exactly yeah so, i love that song right so she wrote that because she was like a, a a protest singer in, in in a way because it was the same time as bob dylan and pete Seeger, you know the people uh, folky people in the early 60s that sort of were in greenwich village a lot in in, in new york and she was one of those people that used to write these songs that um observed what was going on and, and, and said what they felt about things, you know. So uh, with our little boxes, that's what she was saying. Everybody's getting all uniformed, you know, little boxes on the hillside. And they all made a ticky-tacky and they all looked just the same. You know what I mean? She was, you know, protesting about that. And then no hole in my head. I've always loved it because ever since I started, when I came from Cardiff to London, uh, I was told that my hair was too curly. You know, the curly hair doesn't work anymore. And I was too macho uh, because the Beatles and the Stones had already kicked in, you know. So um, record companies, so they always look for, uh, if something's a big hit, like the Beatles, of course, they look for the same. You know, they look for something that's similar. So they look at the look. The Beatles had straight hair, you know, and they had that haircut, Beatle haircut. It became, and then the stones went one further, you know, with their hair longer, but it was still lank, you know, it was still, and they, it was like a boyish look. Even though I was the same age as John Lennon, they looked at me as this macho guy. So I was always saying, look, you know, this is the way I sing. Oh, it's too macho. Oh, well, then if you don't like it, then you can, you know, 
leave me alone. So until I got a hit record, I was up against it. But once I did, it's not unusual. Then the doors opened. You know, then it was fine to have curly hair, you know, and like that. So, um, so that, that's what I loved about that no hole in my head. You know, people uh, say my head's full of nothing, trying to put their own special stuff in, fill up the space with candy wrappers, keep out sex and revolution. But there's no hole in my head. There's no room for that shit. You know what I mean? It's a protest song, yeah. you know, saying, look, you know, don't, don't mess with me. You know, I mean, I, there's no hole in my head. Talking reality television blues, you reimagined that song for 2020, 2021. Exactly. It feels the same so the, song in the musicality because it's so on edge. It's so volatile. Exactly. Well, you know, see, and, and the people that, that are in this song, I knew them. Mm. Like um, in, in Great Britain, we didn't know who Milton Berle was, you know, when we first, because I remember television when it first started in the 50s, 1952 was when we got TVs in Britain and I had tuberculosis as, a, as, a, as a, at that time. So I was bedridden for two years. So my mother got me a TV. So I, you know, take up my time. So I had something to, uh, to be involved in, you know, to look at and, and like that. And, and the queen uh, seeing the coronation televised for the first time, you know, in, uh, in, in uh, 53, that was a big important thing. So we had this TV in my house, the only one in the street. So I remember television from the beginning. Mm. So, and then I, I got to meet Milton Berle in America and I got to know him very well. You know, I'm still smoking a cigar because he, he taught me how to smoke Cuban cigars and never push them out in the ashtray because that's when they smell. So if, once you finish it, just leave it alone. You know, so I knew him and they used to call him Uncle Milty, apparently, when he first came on television, because he was every day he was, it was he did a kiddies TV show. And um, so he was there from the beginning of television. And that's what it says at the beginning of television talking, television uh, blues, that um, uh, everybody escaped from the world. And we all got to know Milton Berle, you know, because he was on TV all the time. So I got to know him and then the moon landing. You know, I saw that on live television in America in 1969 um, in my dressing room. I was doing shows at the time and we watched it on television. So I remember the moon landing, you know, and it made it easy as driving, it look, made it look as easy as driving a car, you know, like that. So, and then of course, Michael Jackson, you know, I got to know Michael Jackson. When he was a kid, when he was with the Jackson Five, I knew him. And then as time went on, I saw what was happening to him. You know, you couldn't stop it, but he used to come around to my house in, in Bel Air, you know, with his sister Latoya. And because um, Quincy Jones used to live around the corner from me and Michael Jackson would be going there to see him. So sometimes he would come in to see me. So I knew Michael Jackson and I saw him, um, you know, walking backwards, as it said, the moonwalk, walking backwards, really, eventually too far. You know, reality killed that video style. Michael Jackson. And then this old guy comes on with a comb over and sold us the moon. You know, first of all, we see the moon landing, but now this fella, but when, you know, when the song was written, of course, he wasn't the president of the United States <laughs> then. So it's like ironic, you know, that these things have happened. So that, that song always appealed to me since I first heard it. And I revisited it, lockdown, you know, and I thought, wow, 
that, that's interesting. So I told Ethan about it and uh, he said, well, let's, let's try it. So we did. And, we, and Ethan said, I need to get some new sounds here. You know, that the track is interesting before you start to speak or sing, whichever way you're going to approach these things. Um, but we need to make the, the tracks interesting. So we did um, talk in television blue. It's like a jazz thing almost. Uh, Jeremy Stacy's the drummer on there and it's fantastic what he does. And I just talk over the top of it. That, I, I loved it because it was talking about what's going on. When you're choosing these songs and you're talking to Ethan, how yeah. are you deciding to kind of update them, to reimagine them and to make them pertinent or relevant for 2020, 2021? Yeah, well, that was his idea. And my son, Mark, because he, he co-produced it. Mm -hmm. And Mark said, you know, I've got sounds in my head and I'll talk to Ethan about, you know, what I, what I think. So it was like three of us that were really involved with it. And um, so, you know, I came up with these songs and then I'm growing old. I kept that since 1972 or 73, when I was in my thirties, uh, this fellow, uh, Bobby Cole, who was a lounge singer, he had a trio in Vegas and he came to see him and said, look, I've written this song, you know, see what, what do you think of it? And I said, well, I love it, but I don't think I'm old enough to, to sing it yet. You know, because it's about, I'm growing old and I was only like 32, I think at the time. And so, but I said, I'll keep it, you know, I'll hold on to it. And maybe one day then I'll be able to do it. So I just did it with a piano player live. And I, and I said, look, I, I haven't actually sung this song before. I've never, I, I know it. And because um, I've listened to it a lot. And then um, Neil, the guy, the piano player, he said, uh, okay, he wrote the chords down and he got it. And then we did it. So we did, I only did one take. And Ethan said, that's it. We don't need anything else. That's it. And then my son found a, a thing from the BBC that we're talking about, was talking about 1940. It was from 1940. It was a um, BBC broadcast that they had. Um, with saying about 1940 is a year that uh, has never happened before and never will again because, you know, we were up against it. Dunkirk, you know, uh, the fellas were, were getting them off of uh, Dunkirk and uh, the Battle of Britain, you see, was was starting. So, um, so it was a big year that I was born into. I was born on uh, the 7th of June, 1940. So just before the Battle of Britain and they were evacuating... Um, Dunkirk. So it's, it was an important year that I was born into. And um, so Mark found this uh, thing. So we used that at the beginning uh, before I start to sing. Um, when he talks about 1940, you know, we must fight. We must for liberty and uh, against tyranny. So it's, it's another very important um, time that I was born into. Thank God I didn't remember. I don't remember. You know, I mean, remember the noise of, of the sirens and everything yeah. uh, when I was a child. But uh, it was 1945, of course, when the war was over and I was five years old. Mm. So, um, so that's where I come from. So these, all these things, they, they've all become relevant in, in, uh, in what's the point we're trying to make 
you know, all important songs. Every track on this album is important to me because I've, I've kept some of these songs that I've had for years. Yeah, and I feel like for a lot of people, lockdown was a very reflective time. A lot of like retrospectivity, looking back, thinking about the past and thinking about things that we had and things that we've lost. And I suppose Definitely. an element of that to it as well. Yeah, and uh, you know, I had I had TB when I was when I was uh, was from 1952 to 54. I was um, I was on lockdown then. I was in my house for two years, and um, so I remember thinking then there used to be a lamppost at the end of the street, and the kids used to always gather around this lamppost, and and I couldn't go there anymore. And I said, look from my house at this, and I thought if once I could walk to that lamppost. I'll never moan about anything again as long as I live. And um, it's always there. That lamppost, I can still see it. It's not actually there now because they pulled it down. It was a gas a gas lamp, and they replaced it with an electric um, electric lamp. But, um, but these things, they're all very important times of my life. That's why we called it um, Surrounded by Time. Because you only remember things when important things happen, that's when you think about the time. You know, all of history, you say, when did that happen? It's a date, it's a time. These, I wanted to do important songs to me during my, my lifetime. And now that I'm old enough to understand a lot of this stuff, you know, these things um, register with you. And sometimes you don't even know why? You just like it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. For some reason, I have a really distinct memory because I loved that song when I was a kid, Little Boxes. But obviously I didn't get the meaning of it because I was so young. And I remember every time in my family we drove through Port Talbot, I would always sing that song because of all the little boxes on the hillside. <laughs> oh, really? In yeah. Port Talbot? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, it's funny because obviously listening to that song now, understanding that it's about everyone in Manhattan now looking the same, everyone in that kind yeah. of, in, in that world looking the same and doing the same things and being replicants of each other. But at the time, I just thought it was about little houses on the hillside. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny That's how time can give context and meaning to things as well. Well, when you see, um, I don't know whether you've seen the clip of uh, uh, Malvina Reynolds doing um, No Hole in My Head. She's like a teacher, you know, talking to a, a class. And um, so I didn't want to do it exactly the way she did it. It's definitely one of the one of the most changed tracks on the album, one of the most reimagined in terms yeah. of the musicality, in terms of the delivery, in terms of the energy of the song. Exactly. She did it, you know, a little boxy. No, sorry. Um, everybody thinks my head's full of nothing. They're trying to put their own special stuff in. You know, she's singing like that. Well, I, you know, everybody thinks my head. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm protesting more than, uh, than she was vocally. Yeah. But the, but the, but the sentiment is, is the same. Mm, and it feels quite important as well that you came out with that and with talking reality television blues as the first two singles because they both seem to make a statement about the world today, one about media, one about media and social media, I think. Yeah, definitely. And then towards the end of the album with I'm Growing Old and Going Into Lazarus Man, it feels like those two have been coupled together 
as well in a way it's nice to kind of yeah, have well, record, but then i'm still here on record well this is it you know at one time i thought maybe we should end the album with i'm growing old but then no it's a rebirth you know this album is a rebirth as well for me because it's different to what i've done before and um, so that's why we thought lazarus man would be good because it's like rebirth you know what i mean when when he says uh, I got nothing but time, you know. I mean, I'll tell you a story as quick as I can. Yeah, I got nothing but time, you know. I'm Lazarus, man. And uh, so that's it. And then, like, when he says, uh, I went to sleep and I must have died, but I, I woke up and I was like that. And I kicked off the sheets and walked out of my tomb. Mm-hmm. You know, he rose uh, up. So that's what I think. It's, it's, a, it's a rebirth at the end of the album rather than the end like I'm growing old, like is, is the end, but it's not, not for me, it's not. Yeah, no, totally. And it's, uh, I think you say in that track, you're the teacher and the student, you're kind of like learning from the past, but you're also giving yourself guidance towards the future. Exactly, exactly. Lazarus Man to me is, is two, uh, two parts. It's, it's um, he's telling you a story, but I'm listening to it as well mm-hmm. and taking note of what he's saying. That um, you know, hey, I'm I'm still here. Yeah. So part of this album was a reaction to coming out of hospital and a doctor telling you to slow down, and you went, nah. Exactly. I had an infection, and he said, uh, "Oh well, you know." I said, "Look, I got shows to do, and there's nothing wrong with my voice." Oh well, you know, at your age, I think I was 78 then. You know, you should. Why are you worried? Oh, 77. You, what, are you, what are you worried about now? You know, you shouldn't have to be worrying about it. I said, I, I don't want to let people down. I've got shows to do. So, you know, he put me in the hospital, test me out, but I was okay. Thank God. So he tried to tell me to slow down. I said, I don't want to slow down. And I, so I picked up the shows and, um, and everybody was fine. You know, people were concerned. They thought it was something wrong but it wasn't it was an infection that i had but I, we got rid of it and then then it is yeah and rather than doing a kind of like greatest hits release for uh yeah. your next record up to i've never done that 80. yeah exactly you're doing it always on you know promoters always want you to do greatest hits and you know like that i said i'm not ready for that yet i'm still wanting to do new things yeah so then what is it about reimagination that you like so much that that you are drawn to because this isn't your first album doing this like obviously reload was a huge album i remember it growing up yeah everywhere on every radio station constantly and yeah yeah same concept well this is it i i like to move on you know and and if i do when i do live shows i still do delilah and i do the green green grass of home and it's not unusual but we do new arrangements you know we do different arrangements on them and nobody has complained. Nobody has said to me, why don't you do it like you did when you recorded it? Never. You know, they love the, the, the new things. And I think people, um, sometimes they, they're not given an, as much credit as they deserve you know, as a listening audience because you, you, you can't, you know, I mean, I, I don't think so anyway. You can't just rest on your laurels and repeat yourself. You know, you, you need to move on, but not forgetting what you did, but maybe present it in a different way, mm. which I do. 
do you have a permanent list of songs in your head? What is it that makes a song jump out? Because, I mean, this is your 41st studio album. You've been making music for decades. You've probably yeah. spent time of some of the greatest songwriters that the world's ever known. How do these songs stay in your mind? How do they how do they present themselves to you? And how do you kind of keep check and keep track of everything that you might want to imagine in the future? Yeah, well, I've got, I've got, a, uh, I got a great memory. You know, I, I remember things uh, easily. So um, when I hear a song that I think, wow, that's an interesting song. What does that song say? What does it say? When I did The Green, Green Grass of Home, you know, the thing that um, when I first heard it, I thought, wow, what a... It's saying about the green, green grass of home, but it never mentions what home, who's home, everybody's home. Everybody's got a green, green grass of home. And then it's about a man in a cell that is reflecting on his life. And then I awake and look around me at four gray walls that surround me and realize I was only dreaming. Because as a guard and a sad old padre, arm in arm, we'll walk at daybreak, again, they'll touch the green, green grass of home. He's, he's thinking about it, you see. So that's what interested me in that song. So there's always something that uh, attracts me, mostly lyrically. You know, the melody is second uh, to me. It's what the song is saying. That um, There's another, another track on the album, which is called Oh Mother Earth, which Tony Joe White wrote in around 1970. And I always loved it because it's about the world. You know, what are we doing to the earth? You know, uh, Mother Earth, you, they've made so many scars upon your face. You know, the beauty you once had can never be replaced long before our birth. You know, it's like, it goes on like that. And I sang it, first of all, and Ethan said, the words are fantastic, but the melody is not all that. So I said, well, what about if I speak it? Try that. So we tried it, and that's when it made more sense. Then I realized that sometimes the spoken word is even stronger than when you sing it. Because it's like poetry. You know, it's when you speak about something, um, sometimes it registers, which what I would love, that's what I love to do, is to register. And um, so that, that's another one that, uh, that I really feel passionate about that we are messing up the world, you know, we better straighten up before we destroy it completely. And that's what that song's about. So every track on this album is reflecting or, um, and making a statement, always. Yeah. More so now at my time of life than when I was young. Yeah, I mean, being in, in a dressing room in Las Vegas in 1972, and Bobby yeah. Cole coming in and offering you a song and you saying, nah, I'm only 32, I can't do that one yet. Like, how many times for your life has this song perked up and you're like, not yet, not yet, I'm growing old. Not yet. There was a, there's another one that I did that um, that I recorded, but it, it never we never put it out. It was just called uh, The Old Silver Clock is Hanging on the Wall, Waits for Us All. You know, and, it, and I remember... <laughs> My father was still alive then, God bless him. <laughs> he, he hated anything to do with, you know, growing old and like that. If I could have found that one, I might have done that one as well. How much of the record did you manage to record before lockdown? Because um, you were you went to Mono Valley and I read that that's the first time you've ever recorded a record in Wales. As in well. Wales, yeah. Well, see, when I was growing up in Wales, there were no record studios in, uh, recording studios in Wales. Yeah. 
you had to go to London. In those days, all roads led to London. That's why the Beatles came from Liverpool to London. You know, and the Stones, of course, were already in London. But um, a lot of people, Van Morrison came from Ireland to London, you know, to record. So in those days, we didn't have uh, recording studios in the places where we came from. So we had to come to London in order to, uh, to do it. Since then, of course, uh, there's a lot of uh, places that have come up. So uh, Ethan said, there's this recording studio in Mono Valley in, in Monmouthshire. Do you fancy going there to be? I said, great. In fact, I've never recorded in Wales before. It'd be, it'd be great to do that. So, so we did. Yeah, and how many of your conversations, because it's got a, you, you, it's a residential studio, you can stay there, beautiful grounds. Uh, how many of yeah. your conversations while you were there recording were around these tracks and kind of, did you have like a few that you weren't sure about and were you kind of like talking them through and telling the stories and reconnecting with them? Oh, definitely. So, and it's great there in Mono Valley because you could walk out, you know, the, the surroundings were perfect for it. Because when we were thinking about what to do, what not to do, we could talk about it. And we had a nice a, a bit of weather there as well at the time. So we took advantage of that, of walking out into the grounds and discussing these songs. So the environment is important as well when you're recording, I think, because um, you, you're in a good place, you know, so you, you've, got, you've got time to, uh, to talk about it. Again, time, you see. It's, it's time for this and time for that. We're surrounded by time. It's a fact. And did you manage to, did you have enough time to finish the record or were there things that needed to be finished during lockdown? No, we finished it. I got the vocals done before. Mm. Anything that needed to be done afterwards uh, was left to, to Ethan and my son, Mark. Uh, they, they worked on, on the sounds, um, a lot of it afterwards. Some of the tracks are live though. Like um, uh, that was the river, this is the sea. That's live. That's I'm in the studio with the with the musicians, and Ethan shouts at one point, you know, woo, you know, like when we were recording it because it was so good. And uh, I didn't even go into the sound booth to be separated from it because he said, "That's it. You're in it, and it worked. So let's not let's not touch it." So that's live, live, right. you know. And I'm growing old. It's live. Just me and the piano right. player. And that was in Mono Valley. It was all done in Mono Valley, most of it. I think we, we finished some off in um, Box in Wilshire, where my grandmother came from, funnily enough. And um, so that was done in real world. So we did some, some from there, but most of it was done in uh, Mono Valley. Real world, also a very beautiful studio. Mm. Yeah. And, um, I guess my final question is, yeah, the difference between, say, No Hole in My Head and its original, there's a huge difference. You've done a lot to that track sonically yeah. and aesthetically, but then between I'm Growing Old and the kind of version that I've listened to on YouTube of Bobby Cole singing it, there's not such a, a wild difference. Like, is it sometimes important, do you think, to keep the track as it is? Do you think it's important when reimagining to not push it too far? It all depends what, uh, what it was like when it was recorded. Like the Bobby Cole one, that's the solace on his, I think, is piano. And because uh, he played uh, piano. And um, so when, when, we, when we ran it, 
I wanted to do it like that and see how it how it sounded. And uh, and we did. And Ethan said, "Look, leave it like that because it's so you're getting it across. You you're into the song, and the piano is fantastic." Neil, I can't think of a second name, but he. Neil Cowley. Yes. So um, that was it. It was live, and we, we we he just put the chords down, you know, and he said, "Right, okay, I got the chords. Great, let's try it." We did it one take. That's it. And um, so that's sometimes you can get it like that, you know. As um, but the Mal, uh, Malvina record, you know, no hole in my head. I wanted to attack it more than than um, than be nice about it, you know. I, there's a statement to be made there, and I wanted to to do it in my own way. So I don't I don't sing it note for note the way she wrote it either. It's just the same structure, and um, but I I stay up a lot where she sort of went through a melody that um, I don't I don't uh, nine times out of ten. I don't like to do it exactly the same, you know. I I want to put my own thing in it, mm. you know? and um, and that, and that's that's what I do. That's what I try to do anyway, my own way, you know. Yeah, I like it in the video at the end when you give the little middle fingers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no hole in my head, you know. Excuse me. Yeah, doing it your own way. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, Sir Tom. That's all right. Nice to talk to you. All the best. It's been an absolute pleasure. Diochen Val. Diochen Val. Sir Tom's new album, Surrounded by Time, is out April 23rd. Original music by Bright Light, Bright Light. Produced by Paul Bridgewater. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>